things A nigga don't like me He just a fucking hater What you made last week I just tipped the fucking waiter <laughs> What that feel like Tell me what that feel like Nigga fuck your Twitter bitches Follow me in real life <laughs> Alright so welcome back to episode 15 Of the Gumball Podcast My name is Ja it's your boy Dugo. Appreciate you guys having me back, even though it's our show. God damn it. <laughs> Yo, so we're a couple days after the draft. I want to get right into it. We've been talking for the last three, four days about mm. all of our favorite landing spots from the draft. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I uh, honestly, there's a couple people that I I kind of sworn off this and that going into like our rookie drafts and stuff. That honestly, I'm starting to look at again. Just you because. Just because he's looking like these landing spots, and I mean, let's start out first, man. Can, can I guess on who you changed your mind about? It's probably a person I've been shitting on this whole fucking time. But Kenny go ahead. Pickett. Nah, dude. What? It wasn't Kenny Pickett. How was it not Kenny Pickett, bro? Honestly, even like with the Steelers, like I just think his skill set is going to be too. I think it should be Kenny Pickett, but that's me. I think like yeah, it's. Like I said before, I think he's always going to be like a usable quarterback. I just don't think in fantasy it's going to translate. That's just my biggest thing. Okay. And so with going to the Steelers, maybe his fantasy uptick goes up a little bit because you know he has a little bit. He has like three usable wide receivers at all times. But I mean, it also seems like they always have a really shitty offensive line, and I don't really know if they addressed that during the draft. Yeah. So that's the biggest thing. I mean, it's always one thing or the other, and I don't want to have a rookie quarterback without a great offensive line. If I'm going to be honest, especially someone with honestly, I'm not going to say like he has the best skill sets in the world either. Like he, he's not like Deshaun Watson out there with the Texans when like he could just go make something happen on the fly. Like Kenny Pickett isn't extremely like he isn't all that. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't on Clemson like doing the shit he was doing against Alabama. Like Deshaun Watson in this case, you know. Like, that wasn't Kenny Pickett. Like, Kenny Pickett, like I said, good quarterback, has some good skill sets, can be more mobile, but you look at the offensive line, and, I mean, it's kind of mid. So, (laughs) I don't know. But, to be honest, man, the person that I think, in my opinion, well, there could be two people, but one person in particular that I think took the biggest boost with their landing spot. Mm -hmm. In terms of a rookie coming in? Yes, yes, rookie coming in. I'm going to go with Isaiah Spiller, dude. Wow. To me, dude, with him landing on the Chargers, um, I think that him and uh, remind me of the running back. Austin Eckler? Yes, thank you. Austin Eckler. With him and Austin Eckler down there together, I think it's going to be kind of a really good one-two punch because you have Austin Eckler who literally can do everything. And the things that Isaiah Spiller does decent is he's really hesitant behind the line of scrimmage. And he does have the ability to kind of, like, push forward a little bit. And so, like, he's going to be able to get some of those goal line rushes that they don't want Eckler to have because, obviously, that's bruising on the body. And so I just really think that Isaiah Spiller with this landing spot, just because, like, before, like, yeah, they had Larry Roundtree, and you can name the rest of the backups there, but Eckler was obviously the number one. Uh And they didn't have, like, a prototypical number two, and I honestly think... As much as I shed on this guy before, man, like I think that Isaiah Spiller could see some fantasy upside with this just because I think he could be the vulture of that offense. The thing about Isaiah Spiller is that I was always big on him. I mean, he was my number pause, but I was always a big Isaiah Spiller, Spiller fan. And when he, when we were discussing rookie running backs and where they're likely to place, he was always my two or three. Sure. Uh, 
great frame, elusive. He has a history of catching passes out of the backfield at Texas A&M. And with his profile, he could be a workhorse back if, you know, something were to happen to Eckler. Sure. So he's a great handcuff, for one. Mm -hmm. But his upside as a handcuff has to make him one of the best handcuffs in fantasy football. One of them, yeah. I would say, I mean, last year you could probably attest, well, I don't know if I could, I could definitely attest to this, but when I had uh, Christian McCaffrey and then I, in like our 12th round, I had to draft... Mm -hmm. uh, Chuba Hubbard. Yeah, Chuba Hubbard in our uh, in our redraft league, and I had to do it almost out of necessity to have mm-hmm. his handcuff. Which you should always do if you draft Christian McCaffrey this year. Make sure you go get Chuba Hubbard. Yeah. Don't leave this episode with anything else. If for real, for but, real. Hey, good, uh, good on us. Yeah, we're we're good guys, spreading good spirit, uh, giving good good knowledge. So. Yeah, man. So tell me this: Who are one of the running backs that you thought took one of the biggest upticks with their landing spot? I mean, I just got to say Damian Pierce because everyone else is saying it. Dude, I think so as well, though, But it's man. true. It's true. Yeah. He, he's going somewhere to where you could probably sell him at the end of next year. I wouldn't keep him around as, like, my long-term fantasy solution at the RB1 or even RB2. You know, I, I kind of disagree. I, I don't want to be a stick in the mud or can, can I tell you why, though? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Because of his draft capital. Okay. We've seen now over the last couple of drafts that... Regardless of how you produce as an undrafted back or as a third-round, fourth-round, fifth-round running back, the team is going to go try and get your your, your, your your replacement. Your replacement. Right. And so when you look at Jacksonville, I mean, James Robinson was a beast. He went crazy. Sure. He went over uh, 1,000 yards in the 2020 season. Yeah. And then they went out and drafted Travis Etienne with first-round draft cap. You could say the same thing about Marlon Mack in the Indianapolis Colts offense. He was pretty good before JT got there. Him mm-hmm. and Naeem Hines had a system going. Yep. And they brought in JT and he changed all that. Yeah, but what happened to Marlon Mack, dude? That guy kind of fell in, off the map. He's in Houston behind... He's competing with Damian Pierce. Yeah, yeah. I knew the, he was down there, but dude, like he... Like he was a healthy scratch some games last year. Made like, no sense. Yeah, man. Made no sense. And so that just goes to show you, San Francisco... Elijah Mitchell put up crazy numbers as like a super late round draft pick. Yep. But they still went out and spent draft capital on a second round running back? I second think or third? Third, I think, yeah, with uh, Tyler Pierce Davis or whatever. Yeah. They brought in another running back. Michael Carter had over a thousand all purpose yards. They bring mm. in Brees Hall. You cannot rely on running backs that have draft cap Antonio Gibson. They yeah. just drafted a running back in the third round. Mm-hmm. Like you can't Trust running backs with anything less than second or first round value. Fair. It's not a proven good idea. I mean, it's happened in the past, obviously. Aaron Jones had to work his way up. It took him two to three years. Uh, You got other guys that obviously have had to move up the chains. But when you are... When you hit on a running back who has later draft capital, in our fantasy drafts, you'll get him in round three, round four, maybe round five. Mm Mm-hmm. After he has a good season, it is in your best interest to sell because he plays a scarce position and he has youth on his side. That's fair, but I mean, like, if you can find a place where he's going to have, you know, if, if you see, like, a good system fit, like, with Aaron Jones, I won't lie, like, when he was first drafted to the Packers, I didn't think he was a very good fit in the McCarthy system, but bring in the Matt LaFleur system and he flourished. Like, he didn't really pop out until Matt LaFleur got in there. And so sometimes it's kind of a system fit or a scheme fit. But at the end of the day, man, like, I think just because you can see 
I, I, I at least can see a good uh, upside with Damian Pierce in the long run. Damian just, Pierce, yeah. Just because like he's coming out of the SEC, he didn't have a bunch of carries under his belt, but with the sample size that we saw out of Florida, he did really well. Mm-hmm. And he fits that stereotypical 5'11", you know, 2'10", 2'11", mm-hmm. uh, frame, which is similar to, uh, you know, like Mark Ingram, who is still in the fucking league. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he's still putting up not necessarily relevant fantasy points anymore, but the last two or two years ago he was. Yeah. So I think my biggest thing with Damien is just like he has the opportunity to be a starting back this year, so that's an entire value in itself. Right. If he can get starting reps and prove to be good at it, because then in fantasy people are going to see him as a young value at the running back position like we do every year. People will get overexcited once the season ends, and you got two months until the draft happens. Two three, two to three months before the draft happens. Sure. So you can sell Damian Pierce for premium value next year and go get yourself an extra pick in this upcoming 2023 draft that I am promise, I am promising you, Dugo will probably agree, it's a much better draft than what we had and what we're having in 2022. I mean, probably. Like, when you're looking at who's coming out, yeah, it's probably a little bit more talented. But what I will say is, I think there's probably just a lot more, like, upside value in a lot of these plays coming in 23. But, I mean, I don't know. We'll see what happens when we get there, man. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. We still got these guys that we still have to analyze, see who's going to even make these camps and stuff that are happening this upcoming weekend. You know? So, I don't know, like... I'm excited about these guys, though. Um, another guy that I'm really excited about with his landing spot is Zamir White, dude. Like, the Raiders just uh, announced that they didn't pick up Josh Jacobs' fifth-year option. So, mm-hmm. what the hell's happening with that, you know? Like, do you think that Zamir White's going to come in there? And... Zamir White's probably going to be someone that I'm stashing in the second round this year. He's a second-round gem. Yeah. Gem. Diamond. You should get as much Zamir White as get your hands on that's fair i'd say second or third depending on where running backs are going you can get him second round he has a great profile he's going to go into an offense led by josh mcdaniels Mm -hmm. the the main thing i think that is happening is i don't think the raiders are going to be so i think with them going to go get Devontae adams they're going to be a lot more pass reliant right and the ball's going to be in the air more. Yeah. So they can't justify paying Josh Jacobs top-of-the-market value next year because he's going to demand that. Right. His his numbers his first two years have been pretty good. Yeah. He's finished as RB10, um, somewhere within the top 10 to 12 running backs statistically. Mm-hmm. So him and David Montgomery are both coming up on contract years. Stay tuned with that because I guarantee it's going to be a story. Mm-hmm. But Zamir White is somebody that I want because Josh Jacobs also has a tendency to get hurt. Mm-hmm. And Zamir White can step in. I know there's Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake is getting out of here. And nice. so Zamir White is somebody that I think you should definitely go get your hands on. And if you can get him in your second rounds in a year, you'll thank us. And uh, I guess you'll see why. Interesting. Okay. I like that, man. I mean, I really like him myself, so I'm I'm happy that we can finally agree on something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, I just think with them not picking up that fifth year option, I think that, you know, up, obviously upside just has to be going through the roof with that kid, at least with these rookie drafts. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think happens with, uh, Brees Hall's, uh, landing spot going to the Jets? I kind of think he's a little bit, I, I like that landing spot a lot. I just know that you probably don't like it just because you have Michael Carter on your team. 
That's Cap. <laughs> I think it's really interesting, and I've brought this up a couple of times now. Yeah. I guess I've never brought it up to you directly. But have you realized that Michael Carter, or I'm sorry, not Michael Carter. Have you realized that Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson are projected to be essentially top three, top four rookie picks, and they're on the same team? Yeah, it's kind of crazy, dude. I don't know what I think about that. Because someone's going to get overdrafted, right? Obviously, yeah. Definitely is going to happen. Someone's not going to live up to their side of the bargain mm-hmm. or their side of the deal. And you have to think about it. They invested first-round capital into Garrett Wilson and second-round capital into Brees Hall. Garrett mm-hmm. Wilson plays a position that historically is around a lot longer. Brees Hall plays a position that, you know, you get a first contract out of. Yeah. So it's really interesting because I think that Brees Hall is an amazing talent, and I could see him being used like an amazing talent. Yeah, I mean, they he got drafted. I mean, like, if you want to talk about, like, landing spot location, mm-hmm. like, he got drafted about the same capital as, like, a JT. Yeah, basically. So, basically. What do you think about it? I mean, I... I like the landing position. I like the draft capital. Obviously, they see a future with this guy. Yeah. Um, took him two rounds ahead of uh, what they did Michael Carter the year before. Yeah. So, I just think, yeah, they wanted to put some capital into this kid, and they obviously did. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be a great addition to that team. Do- I, I, I think it's going to be more of a tandem thing, honestly. But I think Brees Hall is going to be, like, if you wanted to think of it kind of like uh, Nick Chubb or, yeah, like Nick Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt type situation mm-hmm. almost. I could see that. Do, but, you, do you think Brees Hall is a top 10 running back? Uh, I'm going to put that on pause for this year at least. But I would say at the end of the day, fantasy-wise, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's top 15. Okay. That's interesting. I think that top 15 is definitely doable. I think he's going to have a great year. Yeah. But I don't. I like the Jets as an improving team. Right. But they don't know who the fuck they are yet. Yeah, they kind of have to find their identity. They have no offensive identity yet. Yeah. So it's going to go one or two ways. They're either going to be, you know, San Francisco, we're going to run it 30 times a game. Mm -hmm. Or they're going to be an air raid attack. I think they're going to be more air raid. I just think that's kind of what fits Zach Wilson a little more. You have someone like Michael Carter, yeah. who's only in the second year of his rookie deal. Yep. So he's only in year two of his rookie deal. That's probably about four years. Yep. He's entering year two. They got three more years with this dude at the value that they got him at. Mm-hmm. He perfectly fits the scheme. I don't think that you hit on a draft pick and then just throw them to the wasteland and just let them sit there. I think you integrate him into your offense because he's good. You just want to limit the amount of carries he gets. That's fair. It's don't like, they don't, they don't want to run it 25 times with Michael Carter, but you can throw it to him, you know, five, six times a game. Something like that. give him a couple rushes. You got to use him somehow. Yeah, he'll probably get his touches, man. Like I'm saying, he's probably going to end up being somewhat, and I, I'd, I'd say probably around like wide receiver, like 35 or something like that, or re- 35, 40. I think that's fair. And, and the reason that's important is because with so many weapons on the Jets, one thing we all have to be careful of and look out for as fantasy football players drafting in the rookie draft that's either happening now or coming to a city near you within the next few weeks is with these Jets offensive players that we're drafting with such high draft capital, who are the New York Jets and what is their offense? Because you need to take that into account. If you're planning for this to be an air raid offense, but they're running it 300 times a year with Brees Hall, 
you got a lot of people taking 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 deaths on that, taking kills on that. That's Elijah Moore owners. That's Garrett Wilson owners. That's Zach Wilson owners. That's Michael Carter owners. You know what I mean? For sure, man. But I, I still th- think. I mean, how likely is that though? Because I mean, if the Jets are playing from behind, they aren't going to be rushing a lot. So you got to put that into consideration as well. Yeah, man. I got to see what happens. I gotta. I got to do more research on the offensive coordinator, who I'm not going to lie, I don't know too much about. I think it's Matt LaFleur's brother, if I'm not mistaken. Is it Mike LaFleur? Or something like that, yeah. My boy Mike got to go crazy. Yeah, I think that whole offense has to go crazy, man. I mean, everyone's going into their second season together. So, I don't know if he's going to get the X quite yet after this season. I kind of think he's more or less living or dying with Zach Wilson. So, if Zach Wilson can pop off a little bit this year, he'll probably get into his third year of that contract, the offensive coordinator I'm talking about, um, Mm -hmm. Mike LaFleur. And I don't know, man. Like, I I have all the faith in the world just because he is coming from that Shanahan system. You know, like, typically it seems like a lot of people who come from there are more or less competent. Yeah. And they can at least hold an offense. They know what they're doing. This guy was a passing game coordinator and stuff for the 49ers and stuff, and they end up going to his Super Bowl and stuff. So, I don't know. I just think this guy has experience. Last year was a building year. It was Zach Wilson's first year in that offense and everyone's first year in that offense. Yeah, it was. And, and they still had more wins than the Jaguars and, I mean, shit, all those other bottom feeders. Yeah, they were 4 and 13. Yeah, so they did better than what they did before. So, going into the next season, I'm not saying that they're going to be a playoff team or anything like that, but, shit, dude, like, if they aren't at least, like, trying to fight for a wild card position or something, like, I'd be kind of surprised. Then that, would you consider that to be... I'd consider that a win for the team. Okay. I would consider that, honestly, that's where I kind of expect them to be. Just because, like, with the new additions to their defense and with the offense hopefully going to be at another gear this next year, you know, like, I just think it's all the upside in the world. So if you have a Jets person... Or if you're a Jets fan out there, it's almost a great time to be excited about your team for once. So, For once. Kudos. <laughs> <laughs> That's some disrespectful shit. Dog. For real, you just slipped that in there. For real, hey, bro, I want to kind of talk about some of these rookie wide receivers, though, for real. Okay. Um. So, obviously, big draft night, tra- or there was a couple of them, but I think the biggest of the night was probably the Traylon, or <laughs> the... AJ Brown. Brown to the Eagles trade, and then uh, thus them taking Traylon Burks. Yeah, what do you? I, obviously, his stock has to be just skyrocketing. Like he has to be like in consideration for a top three pick, right? He should be in consideration for your first pick. Yeah, that's almost what I'm thinking, man. Like, I don't know, like I'm doing mock drafts and stuff right now on Sleeper. You're able to do that with like your current positions and yeah. stuff, which is awesome. It um, is really cool. And like when I'm when I'm drafting at the one four, bro, like he's still available. And I think that's just I ridiculous. Just, like, I don't get how you let him get to the three. Think about it in terms of all of the rookie receivers. If you've done any scouting on this class, if you've looked at any YouTube highlight film, if you watched any of the games from last year, you have Garrett Wilson, you have Drake London, and you have Traylon Burks. You can throw in Jamison Williams if you want to get spicy, and Chris Olave is talented. We know he's going to succeed, but does he have that top echelon talent? Right. What's his ceiling? He has a really, really, really high floor, mm-hmm. but that lowers the ceiling. 
and a, almost at the same time. Sure, yeah. I mean... He's consistently going to get you... He's an upgraded David Bell. Chris Olave? Yeah. Well, what, so if you have someone who has a really, really high floor... I, I feel like that's almost like Traylon Burks. It's a, because he's, he's going to uh-uh. be... No. Because Traylon has the ability to be a Debo Samuel... But we've only had one true year of Debo Samuel. We don't know where that could go. Fair. We uh, we have one year of Debo Samuel and it rocked the fantasy world upside down. Yeah. So what happens when somebody does it more with a younger athlete who's bigger than Debo? True. That shit could go crazy. And we don't know what that ceiling is, which is why Traylon Burke's ceiling is so big. Because not only... Like, I know Drake London is 6'5". Mm-hmm. The Traylon Burks looks like the biggest receiver in this draft class when he's on the field. Damn near. Damn near. Dude. I would not want to tackle him. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't either, dude. Like, that guy goes and tackles hogs with his bare hands and kills them with his bare hands. Like, and a knife. He's a bad motherfucker. Traylon Burks hunts wild hogs and kills them with his knife. Yeah. With his bare hands. For fun. It's pretty badass. Bro. He's 6'2", 225, and runs a 4'5", 40. Mm-hmm. Biggest hands in the draft class. That's an underrated thing about him, is that he has ginormous hands. He has special like made. D-hop hands. Yeah, he has special made fucking gloves, dude. Yeah. This dude is a freak of nature. Mm-hmm. And he's somebody that I want... He's similar to DK Metcalf when he was coming in in 2019. Okay. You just knew DK was different, and you knew that with the draft cap he got in the second round, that he was going to get starting reps. Yep. And he ended up going to an offense with an amazing quarterback. Yep. Traylon Burks has a great prospect profile. The worst thing you'll say is that, statistically, he doesn't line up against man coverage. When in reality, he torched single coverage all year. Like, he is really good in single coverage uh, success rates. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't get off the line of scrimmage as fast as you'd like him to. Or, I don't know. Maybe the stats are skewed however you want to portray them. Sure. But at the end of the day, this man has an amazing prospect profile. Mm-hmm. He's the number one option on the team. That has another guy in Robert Woods across the line of scrimmage. Coming off an of ACL tear. Why is that important? Because he's a distraction. Mm-hmm. He's going to get the respect of the other cornerback, at least for next year. Mm-hmm. And so now you're look you're not looking at Trey Lund getting double teamed. Drake London's gonna get double teamed. Yep. Okay. Drake London's gonna have a, a massive target share coming from inconspicuous quarterback play. Mm-hmm. We don't know who's gonna start. We don't know who's gonna be in at the end of the year. Right. We don't know what to expect from either of them. But Drake London is gonna get doubled while they put a safety over the top of Kyle Pitts. Mm-hmm. And Drake London already isn't a yak guy, a yards after the catch guy. So basically, wherever he catches the ball is where it stops. Sure. So now you're talking about him having to run like curl routes and intermediate routes and short routes because they're doubling him on long routes. Yeah, and like if the line can't hold up, if the quarterback isn't, like you said, if he isn't competent yeah. out there, like, yeah, they're going to have to do shorter routes. It's easier to double somebody when they're just running straight because you just run at pace with them. Yeah. But when they're making cuts and they're going into that's where you give Drake London the advantage because he can go a different direction and maybe get a little bit of separation, Mm -hmm. you know? So, like, that's what's going to happen. He's going to end up running a bunch of short and intermediate routes, and then you guys at the end of next year are going to be wondering why Drake London doesn't get more air yards and why Drake London doesn't get more passes longer than 20 yards. Sure. Like, 
he's very stoppable because of the lack of weapons on that Atlanta offense. Mm-hmm. Garrett Wilson's on an offense now that not only brought in him, but brought in Brees Hall. And they already had Elijah Moore, Michael Carter. They got Braxton Berrios, Corey Davis. His target share is going to be too little. Mm-hmm. Traylon Burks is going to be just right. Okay. Just right. Hell yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously you have a distraction there with D. Henny. And you like you had said, you have Robert Woods there as well. So yeah, he, he I think he's pretty prime for a great season. Mm-hmm. Um, dude, the next person I'm honestly super excited about. I know we're both Packer fans, so I'm assuming you're excited about this guy too. But Christian Watson, dude. Yep. We we okay. scooped in them in the second. I know a lot of people were really pissed at the Packers for not like trading up and getting someone like early in the first, which I get it. But who in the right mind would have traded the Packers? Uh, like a pick like that, you know, like up in the draft, because they all knew if they traded someone, or if they traded the Packers' uh, front line pick, they knew the NFL was going to explode. Yeah, with Aaron Rodgers with a talent well, like that. But I think I think us getting Christian Watson, dude. I think honestly that was almost my number one uh, wide receiver that I wanted the Packers to get outside of Chris Olave. Honestly. Okay, I like that. See, the thing about Christian Watson is if you look at what. He kind of comes from his terms of like in terms of college production. Right. He was a receiver at NDSU, yep. so that's the same school that Trey Lance went to. Yep. He caught passes from Trey Lance just a couple years ago. Yeah. So that's actually an interesting tree to watch, the Trey Lance tree. Yeah. It's just gonna be Christian Watson, but most likely with Christian Watson, he couple linemen in there though. Couple linemen. Watson is six five. He's like two twenty, so he has a similar. He's like six four, six five, so he's similar in size to Drake London. Yeah. But, but, but. Much faster. Much faster. 4-3, speed. Yeah. Like, this dude is a burner. He has a lot of straight line speed. The best broad jump in the class as well. Super athletic. Yeah. He could be a very special weapon. I was hoping we'd pair him with Jelani Woods, but that didn't. He right. Didn't, he didn't fall to us. But Christian Watson is somebody that with Aaron Rodgers pinpoint accuracy at all levels of the field, mm-hmm. with them more likely to turn towards the run. Opening yeah. up play action, opening up, you know what I'm saying, like streaks and shit downfield. Yeah. I think Christian Watson is somebody who is going to be one of the better receivers from this draft class. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to see immediate return with him. I think you're not going to see premium Christian Watson numbers come up until 23, 24, okay. as we've seen with a lot of other great Packers fantasy players. Uh, Aaron Rodgers obviously took some time. Aaron Jones took some time. Mm-hmm. Devontae Adams took some time. All these stars that we have in the Packer offense didn't start off out of the gates that way. That's fair. I mean, I, I honestly, I do see some high production coming out of him. Probably mm-hmm. not like top, like echelon, like top 20 or anything like that. Yep. But I think he's going to be around like that top 30 wide receiver this year. I do. Yeah, he should I, be. And I think it's only going to get better from there. Like, I think, like you said, like, obviously there's a lot of rookies who just it takes time to adjust to Rodgers and what, mm-hmm. like, he demands perfection on every play. Yeah. So He likes what he likes. Yeah, so he's probably not going to be that man right away. But, he's like you said, with all the opportunities with play actions they're going to have this year with him being an upgrade, I would call an upgraded version of MVS. You think so? Personally, yeah. I think, well, he runs faster than him. He is, I would say, more built to, like, run block and, like, do things that the Packers want to do. Yeah. So some like I just think he's a better. Scheme he's a bigger fit. body, yeah. I I just think he's a better scheme fit than I mean MVS was great for us, mm-hmm. but I just think he's gonna just do a couple more things that we wish MVS would have done better. 
I think I agree with your statement because it doesn't put him in that echelon of being a top 10 guy. Yeah. He's going to have to work his way into being a top 10 guy because he's going to have to crispen up his routes. Yeah, maybe next year. Like, maybe the year after, after a year with Rodgers, after yeah. they have that chemistry, maybe he could be in that realm. But He didn't show too much of a route tree in college as consistently as we'd probably like to see. But mm-hmm. I think that once he learns those short and intermediate routes, mm-hmm. then he'll be utilized as, like, an alpha on the team. Utilized how more similar to how Devontae Adams and Jordy Nelson were utilized. Sure, yeah. But until he develops that tree, Rodgers is going to use him where he's most effective, and that's going to be on deep routes, mm-hmm. which is going to make him kind of boomer bust for the first year of his career. That's fair. That's what I predict. Yeah, and I mean, it makes sense when when he laid out that way, man. It really does. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of like, like you said, just goes. I think he'll probably hit a couple digs every once in a while, you know, just, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like longer routes typically, though, I'm assuming. Just a lot of play action. Yep, I I agree. I I haven't really seen how great his slant is, so we'll see how it is. He's he's a a, big body, so he can go on the inside. If he's a slant monster, that'd be dank. They're going to start him with going on the inside. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. I'm excited for him, though. Mm -hmm. I really am. Dude, another person I'm excited for, Sky Moore, dude. Sky Moore. Sky Moore going to the Chiefs, dude. That was kind of icy. Like, I really wanted the Packers to pick this guy up. Sky Moore. He was a wide receiver out of Western Michigan. Western Michigan, home of Dwayne Eskridge. Dwayne Eskridge. Uh, Greg Jennings. Greg Jennings. Yeah. And now Sky Moore. Sky Moore. Um, but dude, like he, so he's like five eleven, like two hundred pounds. He's five ten. Five ten. Okay, but he uh. I don't know, man. Like, I kind of feel like he's almost the perfect fit for the Chiefs just because he has enough burning power. But he also, when he was at Western Michigan, even, like, with a shitty-ass quarterback, he was able to make every single catch in the book. Yeah. Like, he he just seems like he's that guy out there. He was uh, utilized as the number one, and you could see it on the tape. Mm-hmm. Like, but he was that guy, and he held it correctly. He did everything. The guy didn't have much for drop issues at all. So, I think with the Chiefs, you know, like, I I think they're probably gonna do like the Miko Harmon project for maybe one more year. But I think he's. I think this guy was drafted to kind of take his place. Sky Moore runs amazing routes. Or maybe not necessarily that, but I think maybe Mark or MVS was picked up to take uh, Miko's place. More or less, or what they wanted to do with him, you know, and could... and Sky Moore, he he's he's a tactician like uh, Tyree Kill, uh-huh. like he literally can turn on a dime. He he's not as fast as him in open field, yeah. but he he cuts like him. He Yo, cuts like him for sure. He has amazing cut ability, run route. He runs amazing routes. Yeah. He has a lot of stop and go acceleration, right? Which is going to be huge in that offense. Just not a bunch of top end speed though. That's his biggest thing. I mean, top end speed, yeah, but he stops and goes so well that he actually gets the DB to typically like plant their feet. Yeah, like yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and so ACLs beware. Yeah, and his acceleration is pretty pretty good. Yeah. You know, so he's somebody that I think is going to be a superstar. Yeah. I'm big on him. He has to be within my top five. I would of receivers from this draft. Damn near, dude. Especially with this landing spot with Patty, dude. He's going to be close to it. He might be a little bit outside because we have too many good receivers. True. And that's another thing I want to keep kind of delving into is because we have such a great draft class. Yeah. And now that we have landing spots, we can actually get our shit off about what we feel. Yeah, dude. 
And so Sky Moore was somebody that we talked about. Traylon Burks is somebody we went over. Yeah. Christian Watson. Yep. Chris Olave is somebody that we posted on our socials. Mm-hmm. Uh, our socials, if you don't know, on Twitter we're at the Gumbo Pod. Uh, Instagram we're the Gumbo Pod. We posted a picture about Chris Olave, and we talked. Was, he's probably a top three. He is a lock for top three. He is a lock for your fantasy football teams. And if there's one thing that I will promise you is that Chris Olave is a relevant fantasy football player. Chris Olave is going to be a relevant fantasy football receiver that after maybe the first half of next season, you'll be able to start into your lineup every week. I I don't even think it's going to take that long. Honestly, I think week one, you might be looking at this guy as as a possibility for your flex. The, The only way that changes, I think, is if he gets hurt. Yeah. If he gets hurt, then that obviously all negates, but... Chris Olave is a canvas prospect, amazing speed. Mm-hmm. He has run some of the best routes that we've seen in the draft class. He's now in a situation in New Orleans where they traded up three picks to get him. Yep. They traded a first. They traded, I believe, a third. Yeah. And I want to say a fourth uh, to move up to get Chris Olave. Gotcha. And Chris Olave was taken as the number 11 NFL draft pick for a reason. Yeah, man. I... I... I'm super high on this guy, for real. Yeah. I mean, he, when you looked at him at Ohio State, he seemed like he was the number one receiver there in front of Garrett Wilson. Yep. And for good reason, man. Like He seemed like he was just as fast. I thought he had better hands, personally. Mm-hmm. And his routes just seemed a little cleaner. Like, Garrett Wilson, maybe he can do a little bit more in open field. Very well could be. But I think when you're looking at a true wide receiver, Someone that you want to be out there running your routes and doing everything like that. I, I, I can't think of anyone better than Chris Olave. And him playing tandem to Michael Thomas if he's actually going to play this year, I think that's going to pull a lot of uh, attention off of Chris Olave. But do you think Michael Thomas... I don't... I'm not the biggest believer in Michael Thomas anymore. I think if he's out there healthy, he's going to be a monster. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you saw him that one year when, obviously, he had Drew Brees, but he had, what, like 175 targets or some shit? Mm-hmm. Like, dude, like, he, he's going to be a monster if he's out there just because that's who he is. Yeah. Like, he, he has a huge, like, you're talking about profiles and everything. Like, that guy's, like, 6'2 and, like, 215. But that production is close, is almost three years ago. Yeah, you're not wrong, but I think he's going to come back and maybe he has been doing all this, like, finesse to, you know, like, just prolong his. Out or. Maybe, or maybe he's going to come back and he's going to, you know, just flop out. But regardless, mm-hmm. they're going to have. Fucking Chris Olave there, dude, mm-hmm. and he's someone that he's gonna beat all these guys that they had as their number one and number two and number three last year. Mm-hmm. He's gonna step in and be that number two, if not number one, if Michael Thomas isn't playing. Man, so, I and think... you know, with honestly, dude, I'm kind of high on Jameson Will or Jameson Winston right now. When you looked at him last year, I think it was the LASIK that did it for him, man. I he was throwing better passes. He understood the offense better. He was actually checking out of shit. Uh-huh. Um, I, I I'm I don't want to say I'm a Saints believer or anything right now, man. But if they get a couple more targets and if Alvin Kamara can get out of that fucking uh, instigation that happened in Vegas, I think uh, I think that team could probably go places. Yeah, last year Jameis played in about seven games. Yeah, and five and two, I think. Yeah. He was a 5-2 and two quarterback last year. 
He completed 59% of his passes. Very low interception rate, too, compared to his uh, previous years. Yeah, 1.9% interception rate. He threw three interceptions and threw 14 touchdowns. Yeah. So, you know what? You might have a good point. He, he's he been on the up and up. And so, Jameis Winston is somebody that you should look for because he also had that player profile coming out of college. That was what we wanted to see. <laughs> Besides him eating and, like, putting his fingers in his mouth, I'm like, I'm Jameis Winston. Yeah, he's, uh, you know? he's kind of one of those guys that I, I think he's going to be a sleeper, bro. I yeah. really... I. As much as I hate the Saints being good, I think it's good for the NFL, like you keep saying, for every other team. Mm-hmm. And I think... It's good for the NFL when the Saints are good. Yeah. So I think uh, I yeah, I think they're kind of going in the right direction if they can make a couple things happen here. I feel you. Anyone else that you're kind of like, that you're really so big on? The big one that we want to talk with you guys today is George Pickens. George Pickens. Second round pick to the new Pittsburgh Steelers. The new Pittsburgh Steelers. The new Pittsburgh Steelers with Kenny Pickett and George Pickens. George Pickens. What do you think about the landing spot? I'm going to just say this right now. The Steelers having Chase Claypool announce that pick was the coldest thing in the world. Yeah, they don't fuck with Chase. Bro, that was fucked up. They don't fuck with Chase. Because <laughs> you know they get those cards 30, like a minute before they go on the field. Yeah. So, you know, he read it and he was like, what the fuck? He's been, oh, he was like, oh, welcome to the room. Yeah. He's like, bro, he's taking your room. <laughs> yeah. He didn't even say the position either. He just said George Pickens. But nah, man, that's 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 cold-hearted. They ain't have to do them like that, bro. Bro, that was kind of wild, bro. Because they have a list of people that they have announced they picks and stuff. But I guess he kind of fell down the draft for so it's not like they could have predicted that. Yeah, like, he almost could have got drafted by the Packers, which I would have been super happy with. But, yeah, I'm honestly, I'm thrilled about Christian Watson, but mm-hmm. I just think right now with George Pickens, man, now that we're talking about him, honestly, if I'm going to be real with you, dude. Bro, be real. Guy might pop off. Maybe not this year. But once you get Chase Claypool and all those other mid guys out of that room and you can actually see this guy flourish, I think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. I think Claypool gets traded in the next few years. I, I don't think he... if Well, shoot, dude. I think he's almost at the end of his deal. or at least no, his, He's going into year three. Is he? He was in the same class as Judy, Lamb, um, T. Higgins. Dang, like 2020 okay. class, yep. Okay. So the thing with him is... I don't know if the Steelers fuck with him like that, but regardless, if he has a good or bad season next year, there's going to be pressure. Sure. Because they just brought in George Pickens. They have Deontay Johnson, who's a top 10 receiver pretty often now. He's a wide receiver one for fantasy leagues and a good statistical receiver Sure. Uh, in the eyes of the NFL every year. And dude's going to command a payday, especially with what these receivers are making now. So there's a very good chance that Deontay Johnson could command anywhere between 25 to 30 mil a year. Sure. Maybe the Steelers are willing to pay him that because they know who he is, they know his character, and the Steelers are a homegrown. You know what I mean? They take care of their own. Right. So that puts them in a weird predicament because Chase Claypool came in with a crazy 2020 year. Mm-hmm. He cooled off last year. He started doing TikTok. He started, you know what I'm saying, following the juju route. Yeah. And they go and get George Pickens, who, you know, he's rough around the edges, but that kind of fits their culture. Right. Yeah, he's definitely more of a gritty dude. He doesn't seem... Like you said, like he he just fits like that Steeler yeah, culture. Yeah, dude is just like he. It's not even anything he does character wise. It's just the fact that he's always just in go mode. Like he's always pissed off. Bro, when did you see him when he was getting drafted? Yeah, like he was when mad. he had the. Bro, he, he was like, <laughs> he had the ski mask on in his fucking house. Dude, just fucking chest out. 
just fucking pissed at the world, dude. He's like, I can't believe I went in the second. Like, he's probably so pissed. Yo, he had the Poosh Heisty mask on in his living room. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, he's in his living room with, like, his family. <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you think his fucking mom was thinking? What the fuck you got a Poosh Heisty mask on? Honey, they know what you look like, bro. Honey, what the fuck? <laughs> Take that mask off, baby. Let him see draft, your face. Man, they got the ESPN cameras. <laughs> Yo, what the fuck? Hey, he a wild motherfucker, bro. Hey, he might pop off, though. I, before, I can see it, bro. I can see it. A couple weeks ago, I was calling on my Justin Jefferson at the draft. He damn near could be, bro. He very well could be. He's going to be effective. I think he's too good. The only thing that will get him in trouble is... You know, whatever, but I feel like Mike Tomlin and that coaching staff have a way with players mm-hmm. to keep them under control. They kept Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger yeah. on the same roster under control. Yeah. What we got from Juju was actually not that bad compared to what we could have got from, like, just the three of them. Fair. Like, not saying they're bad people, but I'm saying, like, it's a lot of headlines and shit that comes with each of them. Right. So it's like... I mean, Juju doing TikToks is, like, kind of the best-case scenario. For sure, man. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, he's just Chase, trying to build his own pub. Chase Claypool is kind of, like, the last piece of that. And then they kind of, like, Deontay Johnson's pretty kept to himself. Mm-hmm. Like, low-key, just plays, puts up his numbers, gets better every year. Uh, Pat Fryermuth is new to the organization. George Pickens, obviously, like, the organization. I and mean, we don't know if he, like, we don't know shit about his character, but we know that he plays the game hard, and he gives it 100%. Yeah. That's all you could want as a coaching staff, as a team, and as a fantasy player. Yeah, man. There's, there's some level of, like, having a receiver, and you know that they're going to give it their all every snap. Yeah. Like, there's just something different about that. Like, when you have a Devontae Adams, a Cooper Cup. Mm-hmm. Cooper Cup is the perfect example. Any game he played in that you watched, every passing opportunity could have gone in his direction, or any play could have been audible to him. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a power in, like, just giving it your all and every time you touch the ball something amazing can happen do you know who's kind of going to be in that predicament this upcoming year Cortland Sutton no uh let me guess let me guess let me guess quarterback oh who Ryan Tannehill I kind of think he's on the hot seat now with Mike uh with Malik Willis in his uh in his quarterback room honestly bro with him getting picked in the third Obviously, he's, he slid like a fucking slide. Mm-hmm. But I think his landing place couldn't have been any better. <sighs> Man. I feel bad because that whole conversation just... You get paid to be a quarterback, and what you get paid is a lot. Mm-hmm. But that's to be more than just a guy who throws the ball. Right. That's to be the figurehead for the company. That's to be the leader of your group every year. Mm-hmm. That's to spread, you know, the most philanthropic person in the community. You You're are supposed to the do face these, of the yeah. entire business, right? And so when you say some shit like "it's not my job to mentor a player who your team just drafted," regardless of position, shows a level of immaturity. Immaturity, but it also shows that to everyone watching the team, they now associate. Ryan Tannehill with the Titans. Mm-hmm. That's just how the public is going to see it. Mm-hmm. So if he comes off and he says some shit that doesn't seem selfless enough or exude typical morals expected to be, mm-hmm. you know, having upon people, 
then that's what's going to get associated with the Titans. And they're kind of in this weird phase of rebranding. Mm-hmm. AJ Brown was the biggest star in that offense. He's gone now. Right. They drafted a new guy. Like, Ryan Tannehill is now under pressure by a third-round quarterback who got drafted He there. most likely is, yeah. And I obviously that I don't of... know if he finishes the year. I don't mean to cut you off, but, no. like, I feel like Malik Willis is going to start a lot sooner than we think. I don't think – I think they're probably going to give Ryan Tannehill this year unless it goes down in flames. Mm-hmm. But I think I think they're pretty primed to have a really good year. Like, I think they want to make a Super Bowl run this year. Like, obviously that's what they're building for. I think this – I think Malik Willis is just going to be, like, kind of a side project for this year. And then next year, I don't want to say it's almost like an Alex Smith to Patty Mahomes, like, handoff. But it could be something similar to, like, after, like, maybe, like, two years or something where they're like, hey, Tannehill, like, we appreciate everything you've done for us. But, you know, like, at that point. Peace. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. Like, I just. I, I Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I feel like after Ryan Tannehill said what he said, I'm now rooting for Malik Willis. And I think that that's going to have a positive effect, as crazy as it sounds, on Malik Willis. Mm-hmm. Because, like, dude's biggest opposition is going to be in the room with him. Well, bro, if you even saw him, like, after he got picked, like, he was fucking pissed off. Mm-hmm. Like, he was in tears. Like, he looked right at the camera, and he's like, it's my fucking time, basically. Yeah. And, like, it looked like he had some fucking dog in him. hmm And that's what Vrabel wants. And if he's going to go into the training camp and into the preseason nah, with if he that, comes in and balls out, bro. Bro, he, and yeah. good for him if he does, man. Fuck. Yeah. Let the best man win. And obviously, mm-hmm. if it takes a year for him just to get to NFL speed, coming out of Liberty, mind you. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, shit, dude. Like, this guy is coming to ball. And he mm-hmm. has the skill set to do it. All you got to do is give him the time to adjust. Yeah. How long do you think that time... I think it takes a year. I think kind of... At least a year or two. I would say you have to have... Maybe lesser expectations of him starting right away uh, than you have for, like, Trey Lance. I would say maybe, like, a half season or so behind that I th- development. I think Malik, Malik Willis is a prospect to where he showed a lot of explosion on the field at Liberty. Right. He was somebody that was prospected to, at one point, go in the first round of the NFL draft. Uh, he can run. He can pass. The biggest thing that he'll have to do in Tennessee is just learn the playbook. Dude, this this guy was damn near projected to be the number one two pick in the draft. Who the fuck put that in his fucking mind, you think? Like, that's just the media, dude, and that's crazy. Yeah, like, like I think his school kind of hurt him a little bit because he came from Liberty. Sure. So yeah. that's damn near, like, D2 football. Like, mm-hmm. you're not playing much for, you know what I mean, like, high-end competition. Right, right. Yeah, like, you'll play, like, the occasional, like, D1 superstar, but your, your school's probably getting paid to play them yeah. type shit. Yeah. Um. But dude, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I really, I like the kid. I I knew like the quarterback class wasn't going to be amazing, mm-hmm. but it all depends on landing spots, man. And I think the Titans, just because of the organization that they are and what they're building to be lately, yeah, I think that someone that is a true dual threat quarterback could kind of take them to that next spot. And obviously, you're probably going to be losing D. Honey in a year or two. Mm-hmm. But if you were able to capitalize and get, you know, like a uh, compliment to Malik Willis in the next couple of years, if if you choose him to be your starting quarterback, I, I think with him, Traylon Burks, and you can name the rest of the people, I think that could be a deadly count or a I, deadly team. Yeah, Mike Vrabel has an ideal offensive look, mm-hmm. and it consists of a lot of big players. Yeah. Malik Willis, your quarterback, is probably going to be the smallest player. 
damn near. Yeah, Hassan Haskins <laughs> was a running back they drafted this year as well. Yeah, dude, I was kind of I was kind of hyped about that pick honestly, just because he was a he was a touchdown stud out of Michigan. Yep. And I don't know if he's going to be the replacement for D. Henny. I think he got drafted in, like, the fifth or sixth round or some shit like that. Yep. But he's an older prospect, but he he's an absolute workhorse, at least at Michigan. And he's definitely going to – I think he's going to be the handcuff to D. Henny this year. He fits that prospect of playing big. He's 6'1", 220, uh, runs pretty well, played for a big program, is going to come in and be the backup to D. Henny. So mm-hmm. you're not going to ask much of him out of the gate. Right. He'll get time to kind of build build and practice and build in training camp and build our rookie camps. Get a lot of reps in preseason, how about you? Yeah, a lot of reps, and you, he can actually work on his game. Mm-hmm. But I think with him even being a 6'1", as a running back, that's, like, really big. Mm-hmm. Like, 6'1", for a running back, is pretty tall. Most of them are, like, 5'10", 5'11", 6 foot. Yeah. He's 6'1", 220. He's going to, f- compared to Traylon Burks, who already looks huge, uh, this sounds crazy, but compared to Traylon Burks, Robert Woods, they have an offense that's going to be built for a lot of run heavy schemes, right? They're going to get physical and they probably are going to try to burn you at the end of it. Yeah. They're going to wear you down and then try to take advantage. I would play action, shit like that. Play action, likely. toss it down the field, see what happens. Or just let D honey, just run you down into a fucking grinder. Basically. So one or the other or both. Basically. But I think that, um, Malik Willis has a bright future. And I think that this is going to be a great story that we look back on in five years when he's killing it. Mm-hmm. And we look back at what his starting quarterback said before he got to the league. Doug, honestly, I don't want to be that motherfucker. It kind of gives me a little bit of, like, a beginning of, like, you know when the Seahawks uh, got Matt Flynn on that really big deal? Oh, yeah. That pre- or that offseason, and then they brought in Russell Wilson. Kinda and did. Russell Wilson just ended up being that motherfucker. Well, we need to, yeah, we need to hear more and see what happens in camp. <laughs> yeah, bro, I'm excited. Like, obviously, I don't want to put any pressure on him to be Russell Wilson in his first year or anything like that, but goddamn, mm-hmm. dude. He's uh he's primed to be in a really good place. I'm surprised he fell that far, man. I like, know, dude. That, I, that 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 tells me one of two things. He either wasn't that to begin with, or somebody pumped a story that he was going to be that for their own gain, and they possibly. got they got his hopes up too, and his family's hopes up too. Mm-hmm. And like, that's kind of shady to do. Yeah. I mean, third-round quarterback, though, he's still decent draft capital. Uh, you, you can go down the line, dude. I mean, at the end of the day, I will say this. There are more people that are undrafted free agents who end up being Hall of Famers than the first, second, and third-round picks. Or, I'm sorry, first, second, and third overall picks, not round picks. That'd be absurd. But the first, well, that's second... that's a much larger pool. True, but... That's a way larger pool. It is. It truly is, but I'm just saying at the end of the day, uh, all these people that we're hyping up that we think um, got great draft capital and everything, I mean, they could all be bust. I just want to put that in perspective, but I think these guys that we're talking about right now, I think these are the guys that are actually going to be the ones making it. Like, I think, like, the Bellas Joneses of the worlds. I think those people who got, like, did he get second or third round cap? I think it was second, and that was ridiculous. Like, I had that guy going in, like, <coughs> fifth to the Packers, potentially, 
if we didn't get Tyquan Thornton, who also went in, like, the second or third, which is ridiculous. He was third-round capital. Okay. Okay. They... Okay, can we talk about another team, yo? Yeah, what's up, bro? The Bears didn't do anything to help Justin Fields. Bro, the Bears suck ass. I don't get it. Bro, hey. I don't know what they, like... Bro, his two top weapons are Darnell Mooney and Cole Kmet. It's either they're going to have to run the ball super heavy next year mm-hmm. and only ask Justin Fields to throw in spots, or they're going to have complete faith in Justin Fields to just, like, throw it up to um, Jones and, mm-hmm. you know, Mooney, right. Komet, and maybe they grab somebody else at some point. It'd be interesting if they got Debo in Chicago. That would be interesting. That'd be interesting because he fits, I feel like, that brand of football. I could see Debo in a, in a Bears jersey. For, yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Be a bitch for a Packer fan. Wouldn't be great. That would not be great. I hope the Bears don't do that. Yeah, I don't think they have the draft capital. They keep dra- they keep trading everything. No, they have first rounders next year. Next year. What that's is... the next draft. True. Like the Niners fucked up and didn't trade before the draft, so Facts. they couldn't get any draft capital to use immediately. Facts. And they have to wait a year for any retribution. Fumble the bag. Fumble Bro, the bag. I don't understand what they'd be doing, like what they like Bro, how happy? Well, like, like we just said, dude, there's supposed to be better prospects next year, so maybe they maybe they do want that. Beyond that, but even with Jimmy Garoppolo, like... Yeah, they ain't done shit with that yet, either. He literally said bye to the team in the media. Yep. And you're talking about bringing him back next year. Yeah. Acting like it didn't happen. Acting like we didn't, like, sit there and watch what, it. What do you think happens to... You think... Trey Lance's stock just stays the same regardless. Bro, Trey Lance's stock, and that's another thing. They're fucking up Trey Lance's like mindset with that shit, bro. Like, dude's 21? 22, maybe? Well, I'm assuming they. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that, bro. But, like, somebody asked John Lynch in public if they told. Or if they could confirm that he told Trey Lance in private that he's the starter. Because that was a rumor going around that Trey Lance was told in private he's the starter. Mm-hmm. John Lynch is like, no, that never happened. Damn, bro. And, like, to even shut it down like that, like, I don't know, man. Like, that's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. So, I don't think they're... I think they have a really talented head coach. Yeah. But I don't agree with some of the shit that that regime does. But at the same time, they've gotten almost two Super Bowls in three years. Facts. So, I can't even hate. Like, it must make some kind of sense. Yeah, I mean, he, he was a number three pick overall. I mean, he doesn't have to start right away. Even after this year, if he doesn't start, they still have three years of him as a starter mm-hmm. before they have to pay him if they want to. Yeah. They have three years of analyzing, so they have two years of him chilling, understanding what it takes to be a champion but they traded, on an NFL level. They traded three first-rounders for him. Yeah, and I mean, they're going to have to pay for that, but obviously they have faith in the guy, and they know what they got themselves into. I don't know, man. I don't I, think they do, bro. If you trade three first-rounders for a player, and you're going to sit him for two years? Hey, bro, I don't know. The odds of you getting an earlier draft pick in either of those other three rounds or three years, like, kind of goes up, right? Yeah, a little like, bit. Like, you can just tank one year and get the same prospect in a different draft. Allegedly. Get the best quarterback in whatever next year's draft is, or the year after that. You're going to get somebody good. Potentially. You know? Like, that's kind of crazy. That doesn't make sense to me. But to sit here... Well, tanking doesn't make sense to me on a competition level. No. But, I mean, if you are drafting a new quarterback, that means the one that you have 
isn't sufficing. They're not getting the job done like you'd like them to. Yeah. If you're trading three first-rounders to pick out three and get a different quarterback. True. Or what if they had, like, the same mentality of the Packers and they wanted to draft someone to hype up Jimmy G? <laughs> Jesus. Like, like they did. Uh, that was another knock against Tannehill I had. It was because Rodgers went through the same shit and just went out and won two Super like two MVPs. Yeah, he just he didn't say nothing about it. He was obviously he said he was a little disgruntled, but he, he never, went out and played well though. Yeah, well, we haven't seen what Tannehill has done yet, so let's not put that on him yet. No, but I, yeah, that's crazy. But regardless, um, those are I don't know some of the thoughts I've I've been having the last few days. Yeah, I want to end this with a brief conversation on players that have risen and fallen in the fantasy season. Yeah, man. Uh, after the draft. Now that we're a couple days after the draft, let's talk about who has been most affected. And we have a list of risers and a list of fallers. Mm-hmm. I want to go through the risers, um, and then we can discuss debate. Mm-hmm. And then I'll have you go through the falls. All right, bro. Uh, so, with risers, first one is James Conner. Bro, I love that. I'm so happy that they didn't get a running back in the draft, the Cardinals. Yeah, he's in a really good predicament. Yeah. He's in a really good situation. Well, I mean, yeah, they got one in the draft, so, like, let me let me be right with that. Like, they got one in the sixth round. But, like, I don't think it's anyone that's going to be uh, pressing on his starter status or anything like that. If I have James Conner at Fantasy Football League's, DeAndre Hopkins just got suspended for six games due to PEDs. Yeah. If you look at James Conner's sample size from last year, he popped off in the games that D-Hop was not there. Mm-hmm. When they had to lean more towards the ground game. Mm-hmm. So, to replace D-Hop, they'll have Marquise Brown, who's going to need to get initiated into the offense. He's going to have to, you know, figure out the system. Mm-hmm. They have... Shit. I mean, Travis Kelsey, or not Travis Kelsey. They have Zach Ertz, and they have Trey McBride. Yeah. And Rondell Moore. So, you can figure out a way to maybe make that work. For sure, dude. But, James Conner's going to get a lot more work on the ground as they try to avoid having to even deal with that. Mm -hmm. That's just Cliff Kingsbury's history. Yep. So, I think James Conner is going to be a great candidate to start the year off strong next year. Mm -hmm. And if you're in a dynasty league and you have him, you should be looking to sell him before week six or seven. Okay. I think that's when he's going to have his peak value as a running back on a second contract, second year of that second contract. Even if he pops out the rest of the year, whether the Yassi gets to do it again the year following. This is uh, this is the first year of his new contract. He just signed a he signed a one year deal last year, and now he signed a three year deal, I believe. He did. Yeah. But nonetheless, yeah, like I mean, obviously you want to sell like if you can try to sell him while he's high. Um, if if you don't think it's going to last, because obviously running backs are as replaceable as they can be. Wow, he did send it. My bad. I gave you false information. That's, I apologize. But I, I think, obviously, he still has upside. I mean, after next year, though, is, is it hard to believe that they aren't going to draft someone probably earlier? Yeah, next year in a deeper draft. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of what I'm looking at. I think, obviously, this year going into it, I could damn near see this guy being a top five. 
Wow, man, I completely forgot that he signed a three-year contract. You got me on that one. Yeah, but I could see him being, like, a top five this year, them drafting someone in, like, the second or third next year. He's going to get so many touchdowns. And then him probably splitting some carries, and then that third year him kind of his his going-away party. If James Conner is healthy, he's a top ten back. Plug it, forget it. 100%. Plug it and forget it. Uh, So he's somebody that you... Unless a bye week. Or as the bye week. But he's somebody that you and I agree is on the rise. 100%. Uh, another guy is your boy, Zach Wilson, quarterback dude, for the Jets. I know, dude. Like, all, they do, all they do is build around this guy right now, and I'm absolutely loving it. Okay. okay. Dude, this guy has two top 40 backs in his backfield to take away his pressure. Mm-hmm. He has three usable uh, wide receivers, four damn near wide, wide receivers that you can utilize in that offense. Mm-hmm. When's the last time you said that for the Jets? Not in a while. Exactly. And now they also have three tight ends to utilize as well with Coughlin, Uzama, and uh, Jeremy Ruckert uh, that they drafted this past, uh, in this draft. Yeah. Like, dude, like, he's he's built. He he's built a win right now, and they also have helped out with the line as well. I think he is, he's ready to go, bro. Lock it in. He's he's gonna go nuclear this year. What do you think? Top ten quarterback? Yeah. Book Honestly, it. I think I think me trading my first round pick for Rodgers was probably kind of stupid because I think with what Zach Wilson has around him now, uh, is unreal. Especially because the Packers are gonna be more run heavy now. Oh yeah. But it's great to have Rodgers, and I'll never... That's cool. And you can you can watch every game and be interested. Yeah, dude. I'm a Packers fan, so yep. I love them. That's always worth it. At least I didn't trade two first, right? Next guy is Saquon Barkley. Bro, I know. Saquon Barkley. He's in the final year of his deal. Yeah, he's final year of his deal, but they just drafted a couple linemen, I think, that are going to help out his running game. Okay. Uh, so that's why I think... I think that's why he's going to be a riser this upcoming year. And, I mean, it's going to... Have the Giants kind of pigeon pigeon a little bit because what are they going to want to do? Are they going to want to, you know, trade him somewhere quick? You know, get one year out of him, try to get some value, um, or are they going to, you know, try to sign him long term or just hey, thanks for one year of service this last year and go find a new home. Man, what do you think happens with him, bro? Do you think he like pops off this year or do you think he like? Tell me what you think happens to him overall. Saquon Barkley is somebody I had on my team last year, and I was disappointed by. Yeah, dude. So take whatever I say in jest. Don't take it too seriously. But I am probably avoiding the Saquon Barkley train next year. They don't have great quarterback play. No. Their offensive line is manageable now. It's, you know, a little bit better. Mm Mm-hmm. But they still don't have an offensive system that's been proven to work. I don't know what their offensive system is. Right. You still kind of have to establish who you are and establish an identity. Yeah. I'm not sure it centers around Saquon Barkley the way it did in 2018. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, they're bringing Brian Dabble now. Literally, when he got drafted, they still had Odell Beckham on the team. And, like, Sterling Shepard. Yeah. And Evan Ingram. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it was... That was a long time ago. Yeah, they got they got Wandale Robinson now, though, bro. Come on. They drafted Wandale Robinson. They got Kenny Galladay. They have Kadarius Tony for the time being. Yeah. 
and they have a lot going on on that offense, and so a lot going on behind the scenes too. A lot, and they're transitioning ownership. Yep. There's a whole new, whole new coaching staff, whole new front office in there. Yep, and so it makes you kind of like I can't. I can't bet all my money on Saquon this year. That's fair. There's too many things going against him. Would I like to see it? Yeah. Is he going to pop off if it does happen? For sure. Yeah. But do I expect it to happen? No. That's fair. Yeah, I like that. I just think he's kind of primed for a good opportunity right now. Just with the mm-hmm. with the upgrades, I think it's going to be better. And with the better coaching staff, I think he's just going to be in a better situation than before. So that's just why I think he's okay. going to rise. Okay. And if he can be healthy, that obviously makes it better. So let's okay. hope that he's healthy this year and the coaching staff can utilize him to his utmost abilities. I want to go over one last person, and that's David Montgomery. Yeah, bro. David Montgomery did not see an addition to the running back room in the draft. No. David Montgomery is going into a contract year. Mm-hmm. David Montgomery is going to be the focal point for that offense as they have zero wide receivers that I'm – that I'm projecting to do all that much. Mm-hmm. And so David Montgomery is going to be the focal point of an offense under a new regime. Last year of his contract, they'll run him into the dirt. Uh, if they don't want to pay him and he's a talented back. And so he's somebody that I think is going to have an amazing season. I think he's a borderline top 10 option and you're going to be able to go ahead and get him at discount. Uh, just because he ended the year last year, still somewhat hurt. And because the bears are so infamously known, five days after the draft as being a team that didn't add any other offensive weapons. So people are typically staying away. Mm-hmm. People are staying away from Justin Fields. They're staying away from Darnell Mooney because he's going to get doubled. They're probably going to do the same to David Montgomery. But just off of pure volume alone, if you're drafting Kenneth Walker at the 1-2-1-3 in rookie drafts, what's your argument against David Montgomery? I mean, my biggest argument is just that he's on the fucking Bears, dude. Yeah. And obviously... It's- the Bears didn't do a lot of great things this draft, um, but just on a personal basis, I would say. Um, but, yeah, man, I just – it's hard to think that he's going to have a great year. Obviously, he's going to be the running back one in that room. Um, but they do have uh, Cleo Herbert that they had just utilized this year before. Who who knows what happens with this new scheme, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see with all that stuff. But – I think that they're going to utilize like a two running back scheme because that's what they had utilized with the Packers. That's where this new OC is coming from. Mm-hmm. So I think they're going to utilize him a little more, which could possibly lead to David or yeah, with David Montgomery, you know, busting out some really big runs out of confusion. Nice. So we'll see what happens with that, man. I just don't know what's happening with the new regime on the last year of a contract. You know, we'll see what happens just because, I mean, anything could really happen with that situation. You know, it's the same thing with Barkley. I mean, I think just because they had built up that line, he's he's prompted the pop-off. But mm-hmm. new regimes are never really great for new running backs other than, I would say, Aaron Jones just based off a of scheme fit. Yeah, I could see that. Um, so those are, I guess, our risers. That would be James Conner, Zach Wilson, Saquon Barkley, David Montgomery. Yeah, man. So, I mean, some of the followers that I thought had happened, you know, because of these drafts and some of the people that got drafted, uh, Antonio Gibson, you know, I thought with him getting, uh, I don't think he's going to get replaced by Brian Robinson Jr. anytime soon or anything like that, but it's definitely going to kind of make you scratch your head a bit when you're lining up Antonio Gibson 
as a running back slot just because you have two other handcuffs attached to him now at this point. The, yeah, it takes away from his upside because not only is he getting the passing work taken by J.D. McKissick, yeah. but now you're talking about potentially losing goal line work to Brian Robinson. Right, man, yeah. like he. <laughs> and now you're just the middle-of-the-field guy who gets the ball within the middle 60 yards of the field. Yeah. And hope to God he can break one or two. Yeah. A whole season, almost damn near. It's like getting vultured both ways in the receiving game and the touchdown game. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I think for Carson Wentz, is going to obviously solidify a little bit of a running presence back there. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, as a, as an Antonio Gibson holder, I, uh, you and know, I tease and peas. So, AG, that's what I call Antonio Gibson. Uh, last year, he had five humbles. Yeah. Now, that's not a very predictive stat, but that's obviously a number that a coach like Ron Rivera doesn't like to see. Mm-hmm. So they went and got Brian Robinson with third-round capital. Yep. If Antonio Gibson has a lucky or an unlucky draw of the cards, and let's say something, the ball somehow falls out of his hands mm-hmm. in the first four weeks of the season, that's a tipping point for them to use the Brian Robinson-J.D. McKissick combo. Mm-hmm. And just see what happens with it. And because, see what happens. Yeah. Because who puts it past the commanders to do some weird shit like that? Exactly, man. Yeah, they're just trying to find their identity right now as well, man. So, who Ron knows? Ron at some point, he's an old-school coach. And, mm-hmm. like, if you're going to give the ball up and if he didn't draft you, like, get Cut the fuck throat. out. Yeah. Get the fuck out, bro. Like, you ain't doing your job. For real, man. Oh, so, we'll it, see. And, you know, we kind of touched on this earlier, too, but I think Michael Carter kind of takes a little bit of a hit with that uh, Brees Hall edition. Yeah, he's not an RB1 anymore. He's he, not an RB1 prospect anymore. No, I'd say if, yeah, I, put him on hold for a while, man. I, mm-hmm. I don't know what to do with him. Uh, next, Chase Claypool. You know, we talked about that, too, with George Pickens. Yeah, uh, we him. already went over him, yeah. Yeah, but, man, I yeah, he, he takes a hit, and then... I think Nicole Harmon, man. I mean, with them yeah. adding Sky he Moore. He takes a hit. I'm investing just off this pure fact that he's going to be fam- most familiar with the playbook to start the year. So uh, he's going to yeah. get extra reps. Well, the reason why I don't think that's going to be an issue for the guys that they added, other than Sky Moore and those mm-hmm. other guys, are they're adding veterans who have already had wider or had NFL offenses. So I obviously it's gonna take a little bit of adjusting, but to say that Juju Smith Schuster and MVS aren't gonna be damn near on the same page as Patty Mahomes by week three they, they or four. They probably will be. They probably you will know, be. Like, but I think that there's a level of Miko coming into training camp knowing the playbook. Sure. He's now the most veteran, you know, Kansas City Chief receiver in that room mm-hmm. as far as being familiar with Patrick Mahomes and that offense. Yeah. So now he's gonna be a go to just out of habit. He's going to get starting reps the first few weeks of the season. Maybe, man, and yeah. If, if he happens to just pop a couple plays off, there's going to be hype, and there's going to be energy around Miko Hartman. Mm-hmm. And his fantasy value is going to go through the roof, if for any reason at all. He even gets... All he needs is consistent play. He needs to be on the field consistently. He mm-hmm. needs consistent snap share. And how, how often has he done that recently, and how many other times have they added two prolific veterans and uh wide receiver in the second round in that same year like it just seems like that's almost a natural disaster coming from right now yeah it's not great i'm not gonna lie it doesn't look great but if you just look at what he's capable of Mm -hmm. 
he's went from wide receiver 61 in 19 and 2019 and 2020 to wide receiver 50 in 2021. Mm-hmm. He's never missed an NFL game in his career. That's dank. He made the Pro Bowl, obviously, first year as a punt returner. Yep. And last season, even, he had almost 60 catches for close to 700 yards. Mm-hmm. Had a couple rushing attempts in there as well. Mm-hmm. But I feel like with Tyreek Hill gone, his familiarity with the offense and his... The reason they drafted him was to replace Tyreek Hill at one point in time. Okay. That was a lot of the reason why they took him at the at the, at the the draft capital or at the draft landing spot that they did. Mm-hmm. is because they thought Tyreek was going to get in trouble for the shit he had going on uh, legally at the time. Gotcha. And uh, they thought that Miko Harvin was going to be somebody who might be able to come in and fill in while he's out. Okay. So if there's anyone to replace Tyreek Hill's role, yo, I don't think MVS is going to be as big of a player as a lot of people do. People are hyping him up like he's the second coming of Jesus. Like, bro, he might be a bench rider by week three. Man, I don't think he's going to be a bench rider. I mean, I don't know how much more productive he's going to be from his days as a Packer. But I just think the snapshot that he had on a, the Packers, just because he was out there all the time. I mean, like, it almost seems like he's filling in that Mikko Harmon role of, like, a burner who you just need burning down the field. And then you have... You know, Juju, who's on the outside, and you have Sky Moore, who's, you know, you could put him damn near anywhere. The thing with MVS is he signed a three-year contract. It's yeah. worth up to 30 mil, but really there's only 15 that's guaranteed. Okay. So when nowadays, three years, 15 mil, that's on average 5 mil a year. Bro, 15 mil a year is less than what you're paying a low-end top receiver. Over the course of three years, you're not paying that. Sure. And the cap is going to go up and up and up over the next three years. Yeah. I'm not putting that much stock into MBS signing a free agent contract with the Chiefs. And the reason I say that is because I don't think he's going to fill that outside role that we're projecting for him. Well, I'm thinking he's more like of the burner of the slot. Like, I don't think he gets that I'm... much field time, man. Like, he played with Aaron Rodgers for four years and mm-hmm. was the second option and didn't really do much with it, bro. Like, he was the second option after... Devonte and we could say Alan Lazard was present, mm-hmm. Equinemius say Brown was present because every team has a third and fourth receiver. Mm-hmm. But I mean, MBS was the go-to number two, and he never really put up numbers with Aaron Rodgers in two MVP seasons. Mm-hmm. That's the most damning evidence you could show me. Like yeah. I don't think it gets. If you were to look deep down into it, though, I mean, it, that doesn't show the. I mean, it doesn't make his argument any better. But MBS was hurt a decent amount of the time as well the last couple of years. Yeah, which I, obviously isn't the best argument for that, but you yeah, know, man. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, like, I just, I just think personally, just with the additions that they had made, I just think that it takes a little bit of a hit. Just because, I mean, shit, dude. I, I won't lie. I wasn't much of a believer coming into the season that he was going to be the next coming of Tyreek Hill. No way. So I don't know. Like I just, I just think that with the additions that the uh, Chiefs had made, I just at the end of the day, man, I think. I think he his fantasy stock does take a little bit of a hit. I don't think it goes up at all. I think the Chiefs are building towards a three-receiver trio. Mm-hmm. They want to have three different assets that they can put seems in like, play. Seems like they have it right now with the Juju, MVS, Miko, and Sky Moore. I think it's better because... I think it's better without MVS and add Miko. I don't think so. Let me explain why. Because he wasn't even a wide receiver in college. Let me explain why. Oh, okay. Juju fills the role of the X. He fills the role of the primary receiver because of his, 
You know, he's he's bigger than all the other guys. Sure. And he's talented. He runs routes well. And so you pair him up on the outside with someone like a Sky Moore who runs routes really well. Yep. Sky Moore is a crisp-ass route runner. Regardless, people only put him in the same bucket as Miko because they're similar in height. But, like, outside of that, they're not really even the same player. Who? Sky Moore and Miko. Yeah, they aren't the same player. No. So people want to compare them all the time, though. Sky Moore can very well serve as a number two receiver. He's technically bigger than Miko, I think. Yeah. He's like an inch I taller. think weight-wise. and Weight-wise, too. Yeah. So he very well could fit the role of the X. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, I, I, I would assume that they would pay, or if they're paying MVS, they're going to play him to pay, or to play. Bro, I don't put that and much And then Miko. Bro. Bro, every team signs bad contracts. It happens every year. We see it every every July. Yeah, I know, but they are gonna pay someone who has the upside of MVS to sit on a bench behind Mecole Harmon, bro. Like that just doesn't. I don't live in a world like that. I don't know, man. I I don't think it's that crazy. They use them for a year, and they're like, "All right, you're mid. Sit on the bench." Like we've seen worse contracts. So we have. I I don't think that a contract necessarily gives the whole story. MVS is somebody who's talented, but we've seen him. Under the gun with a two-time consecutive back-to-back MVP quarterback mm-hmm. as the number two option, which I don't even know if he will be in Kansas City. I don't know, see why they would. He hasn't proven to do anything with it. Sure. But even in that kind of an offense, he couldn't really do much. Why are we just all of a sudden expecting him to pop off because he's with Patrick Mahomes? Well, he was able to do a decent amount with the Packers. If you look, I, I thought he was pretty successful, man. I don't know, but... That's in terms just... of real-life football, he was. In real life football, he was a great player to watch on on TV, but for fantasy purposes, it was kind of a disappointment. Kind of, yeah. I mean, like he'd have the occasional like fifteen bomb or something like that, mm-hmm. but like other than that, yeah, he's usually putting out like three, four points. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's kind of what his bag was. But I mean, what do you think Miko Harmon was doing, dog? Like, same shit. Mm-hmm. Except they brought in someone who's a little more, I think, sure-handed. I think that Sky Moore is going to be a really good two receiver. I'm not even calling Miko the two. I'm calling him a starting receiver. Well, I'm I'm not comparing him to Sky Moore. I'm calling I'm again I'm car- comparing him to MVS. Like I, I'm not comparing him to Sky Moore at all. Get Sky Moore and Miko Harmon he... away from each other because Sky Moore is worlds better from him. What does MVS do better than Miko besides catch a higher point of the ball? He because catches a higher point of the ball. He's I think a natural better catcher than what Miko is. I would also say that in general he's better to run block for that offense as well because he's a bigger body. And overall, I think he's just, if you want me to get down the bare scratch and kneels, I think he's just a better wide receiver prospect. Oh. Like, Miko Harmon, he was a cool project, but at the end of the day, guys, all he was was a Pro Bowl returner his rookie year. I mean, that happens every single year, congratulations. But I mean I mean come on guys, it's it's just the new flavor. I don't know, man. Miko dropped his drop percentage to three percent in twenty twenty one. That's less he had a uh better, more efficient drop rate than MBS did last year. Crazy. Miko has a really high ceiling. I just wish that he would learn how to run routes and get separation off the line of scrimmage. That's fair, man. Well, I just, 
Yeah, I, I think, obviously, when you look at him as a prospect, like, he's a great project if you want to, like, he's a Ferrari, dude. Like, he will do one thing great for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think when it comes to everything else, like, he's not going to be out there blocking for you. Or, like, not, like, at a great rate. He's not going to be doing, like, a lot of those gritty things that you want from someone to be... On the like, field every snap. Yeah, so, like, I just think because of that, like, his fantasy it value takes a huge hit. Mm-hmm. And his utilization just as an NFL team takes a huge hit. Yeah. And so, that's just my biggest gripes about the guy. But, obviously, I mean, we were looking at some of the stats. I mean, you, you can't argue with some of that stuff. Like, where, like how explosive he can be in the open field and stuff. Yeah. But, I'm interested to see what he does first. For the yeah, man, we'll see what happens for sure. I've never I, seen it before, so this will be our first time. Yeah. We'll just, I'm just, I'm hesitant just because of those additions, man. I feel you on that, though. That's but, understandable. That's reasonable. That's reasonable. Um, but, you know, regardless, uh, that's today's episode. We went a little extra for y'all. Hell so. Yeah. Uh, feel free to follow the show. Check us out on Twitter at the Gumbo Pod. Follow us on Instagram where we share all of our cool little memes. And yeah, get in a couple Twitter fights with us as well. Let's go. We're ready. All hours of the day, twenty four seven. Yeah, get out of this. No vibes. Uh, but we appreciate y'all. Um, tap in with us next week. Uh, feel free to tweet at us. Let us know what you liked, didn't like about the episode, and follow our YouTube at the Gumbo Pod as well. Uh, other than that, you know, my name's John. I'm Dugo. Appreciate y'all. And we are out. Bentley. I spot a hood like Spud McKenzie. And for them fake boobies, I paid them Benjis. Get your own. I got Paris, he got Nicky. He tried to get him a clone. He said, yeah, you know you got extra hoes. And everything you do is extra cold. From the polo flips to the Jesus piece. I got family.